Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. From now on, this podcast is going to be uploaded weekly. So every Wednesday, I will be uploading a new episode. So hopefully, you can look forward to me being a lot more active in the coming months. We'll see how long I can keep that going. But it is my promise that I will uh, try and keep it going until at least the World Championships this year. Hopefully even longer. Today's schedule is uh, mostly just talking about some of all the questions you guys asked me all my patrons you got the uh, opportunity to ask me questions so i'll be going into my upcoming schedule a little bit about the asia trip i just finished and also what's in my mind when it comes to my future retirement next year from the professional tour so let's just get straight into it let's start off with an update on my trip to asia I played the two tournaments in Indonesia, the Indonesia Masters, followed by the Indonesia Open. Lost first round in the first week to Lakshya Sen from India and made a second round result in Indonesia Open where I beat Sai Pranith from India and then lost to Anthony Ginting in the second round. I would say overall, obviously a first and a second round is not amazing results in any way, but overall I was actually pretty content or pretty satisfied with the the level uh, I played at. Uh, I think I had my chances in the second game against Lakshay in the first week and he's obviously uh, one of the top players so uh, I, I actually felt good after that match even though I lost. I just had to admit that he was he was definitely the better player on the day. Um, then had one week to prepare for for Cyprianith the next week and I felt really good and confident going on court because I, I had felt good against Laksha so there was no need to to be too annoyed or sad uh, or losing confidence from that match. I actually gained some confidence even though I lost so I, I felt good going into the match against Pranith and I, I think I played, played a pretty good match even though I, I had a small lapse of concentration in the second game at one point but yeah I, I held firm and I managed to wrap it up in, in two games so that was a, a good win and obviously also very important to win a round in, uh, in a Super 1000 event like Indonesia Open so there's a lot of uh, ranking points ranking points at stake even if you just make a second round you get 4800 points, points which is a lot especially now where we have to start thinking about ranking points again. We've been used to for the past couple of years not having to think too much about it because the ranking is obviously still frozen. But BWF has said that they will start on freezing it from the 1st of August and they will slowly remove some of the uh, the old results. And when we come to January, we will be back to a completely normal 52-week uh, world ranking. So it's very important this year to, to score some ranking points to be ready for for that in january so i don't have to go back into qualifying rounds or even have trouble getting into the the big events so in that way it was quite important to actually win that one match in in indonesia i had no chance to beat ginting uh, i didn't feel like i had a chance uh, of actually beating him after the match before the match i actually believed in my chances and i think also big parts of the first game I I had some opportunities but 
when I didn't win the first game, it was going to be an uphill battle. I uh, I then got on the other side of the court where I had to play with the wind and made it very difficult for me to play the full court uh, with any kind of pressure. Um, yeah, so made the court very small for him. And as you probably know, he's a very, very fast guy. So when you can't really move him around court, then it's going to be <laughs> very, very tough. And he, he played much, much faster than me in that second game. And I was basically with no chance at all in that second game. Played a, played a good first game. Um, there are some regrets on my side that I, where I felt like I did not take advantage of uh, of the conditions well enough, uh, but it's also difficult against a guy like him, who's when he has confidence is, is punishing you for uh, any, uh, any bad quality shots you make. So yeah, obviously it could have been better, but I'm, uh, I'm actually, as I said, not, not too unhappy with my performance in Asia. And overall, it was just a fantastic experience being back in Indonesia, back in Istora Senayan with a, a full crowd there. Great, great support as always. And as I said in a, a pre-match interview after the match against Ginting, it's simply just the best place in the world to play badminton. For any badminton lover, they should, they should really try and go there and experience it once in, in their life at least. It's... It's definitely worth the trip. So a huge, huge thanks to uh, to all the amazing supporters in Indonesia. Also the ones that were not able to uh, to join us in Istora Senai. And the support from Indonesia is just unreal. A lot of you are then wondering why I'm not playing Malaysia Open this week or and Malaysia Masters next week. And there is actually a pretty good explanation for that, or at least in my mind, it's a good explanation. But it would, if I had to play those two, it would mean that I would be away for five weeks in a row because it would be two weeks in Indonesia, then one week off in Malaysia where there would be training, obviously, and then two tournaments in, in Malaysia. So that would be a total of five weeks in a row. And it was simply almost impossible for for me and my family to, to make it work. And my wife is, uh, as you know, a dressage horse rider and summertime is like the, the busiest time of year for her with competitions and uh, different events. And we do have a son, so we need someone to also look after our son in the, in the periods where we are out traveling. Um, yeah, and it was just just impossible to make it like a five five week trip for me. and. On top of that, I actually did not feel like going away for, for five weeks. I didn't feel like it would be a, a good idea for me. I need to be at my physical peak to be able to perform at this level. I'm 36 now, and if I if I just lose a little bit in terms of my physical condition, then I just can't keep up with the younger guys. So I really need to be at basically my peak all the time when I uh, go compete to be competitive. I think that's very difficult to be for five weeks in a row in, in Asia where you're also, when you're at events, you're not always able to get all the training you want. Um, there are restrictions on the the time on court and it's just not possible to, to make your completely own schedule because you are you're bound by some of the restrictions made in, in by the uh, the organizers because obviously they have to have courts for, for all the participants. So I don't think if I was there for five weeks, I would actually be able to perform very well in Malaysia. And so that it, it didn't really make sense for me to, to go for, for all four events in, in these five weeks. I did consider skipping 
the first week in Indonesia, then play the Super 1000 Indonesia Open, train one week in Malaysia and then play Malaysia Open. So I would be away for only three weeks. But all in all, when I just tried to uh, figure out what was the best solution, I, I thought this one was uh, the best one to only play the two in Indonesia, go back home, actually have a little bit of time off court when I got back home, had a small week off, uh, still did a lot of physical work. And now I have two weeks to prepare with training on court before the Singapore Open. So I'm, I'm flying back out for Singapore and, and that's it actually. I'm not playing Taiwan the next week or anything. So I'm flying back just for one tournament and that's Singapore Open in a couple of weeks. And after that, it's full focus on the World Championships in August in Japan, where we play the World Championships followed by the Japan Open. So that's a bit about my upcoming schedule and why I decided to do it the way I've done. And I'm still very happy about that uh, decision. Another thing, some of you guys, some of my patrons who had the chance to uh, ask questions for this episode, some of you guys asked about was uh, why I decided to already tell everyone that I'm actually retiring next year and why I am retiring next year. Um, and again, it's a, a pretty well thought uh, uh, decision I've made. Uh, it's not something that I just uh, thought about for a day and then decided, yeah, okay, I'll uh, I'll tell it to everyone. I, I've I've been thinking about it for quite some time. Um, and first of all, the reason why I'm retiring next year is, yeah, there's multiple reasons actually. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I'm 36, I'll be 37 in January, so that is quite a high age um, for a singles player, especially. It's not that my, that my physical condition is bad or anything, I actually feel really good on court, and I, I think I'm I'm dealing with training and everything in a very good way to, to stay in, a, in pretty good sh- shape most of the time, and uh, yeah, I feel good on court. But I do also feel like it's, very difficult to recover after tough matches so every tournament if i'm if i have to play two days in a row it's fine but then if i go deeper into the tournament it starts becoming a, a, an issue and as you know in badminton there are no rest days at events uh, usually there are none so it's it's getting increasingly difficult to actually make deep runs in the, in these big events and even though i enjoy also playing the events just for the first and second round and stuff like that. I know I don't make a lot of semifinals and finals, but I still want to feel like it's realistic to make these uh, big results. And I, I want to feel like I can dream about making the finals of, of the big events. Uh, I'm not just there to take part. I actually have a dream of, uh, of competing for, uh, for some really, really good results. So that's part of the reason. Another part is I actually don't feel the same kind of motivation when it comes to these smaller events like the world championships the all england stuff like that i have zero problem with my motivation and i also enjoy going to training every day but when i was actually planning this summer and deciding which tournaments i needed to go to and which ones to skip i could just feel that the drive and determination to to make the schedule work out and and yeah the drive to get me to go to all the events, it, it wasn't it wasn't there in the same degree as it has been in the past. And to me, that's a sign that it is about time to, to think about doing something else. Because if I want to be competitive again with the world's best players, I need to be 
like almost 100% driven and determined and motivated to, to go all the time. And I'm not in a situation where I can just uh, pick and choose a few events. My ranking is simply not high enough for that when they open up the ranking list again. Um, so yeah, that way it makes sense for me to, to start thinking about uh, yeah my, my future instead. But as I said, I still enjoy playing the very big events. I'm very motivated to play uh, the, the World Championships later this year. Also, Denmark Open is coming up this year. And then we have All England the start of next year. Hopefully a World Championship in, in Denmark as well next year. So there are big events to look forward to. I, I just, I hope it makes sense that I just feel a tiny drop in terms of uh, motivation and determination levels. And that cannot be like a too big drop before it will be uh, a, a real issue in terms of actually performing well. And I think the final thing that, that made me come to the conclusion that now is the time is that it is getting increasingly difficult for me and my wife to make things work with her work as well, her career. And I've been chasing my dream for a lot of years and that's been the uh, the main priority. Uh, but it's also, uh, at some point, it's also time to prioritize a little bit differently. And over the past couple of years, because of Corona, we've had a less busy schedule in terms of traveling. And I really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed having more time at home and it's been easier for us to, to actually yeah make everything work out. Now the calendar is beginning to look more like a normal calendar. It's going to be more taxing with a lot of traveling, uh, which is also going to be very expensive. By the way, that's also an issue. Um, but it, it means that with everything getting more demanding looking ahead, I, I don't think I will enjoy it as much as I've done for the for the past couple of years. I'm actually very certain I, I won't. I, I, I don't want to travel as much anymore. That's one thing I've learned over the past couple of years that I really do want to prioritize more time at home. So all in all, the sum of uh, all the things I just said made me very certain that the decision is, is the right one, that next year will be my final year as a professional badminton player. And so why did I decide to already tell everyone now and what, what are my plans after retirement? Well, I decided to tell it now actually to make it easier to plan my life after retirement. By saying it now, I hope that the word kind of spreads out and I know I want to stay within badminton in, in some way or some capacity. And by saying it now, hopefully a lot of people in the badminton community will hear about it and think, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe maybe he could be a good candidate for a job working for us doing anything related to badminton. So I, I'm just hoping that it will present some opportunities uh, over the next uh, year or a year and a half before I actually do retire. So I get more more opportunities to choose from and I, uh, I have plenty of time now to figure out exactly how I want to live my life or how I want to build a career after I'm done playing badminton. So I hope, I hope that that made sense. There's no doubt, as I said, I want to stay within Babinson. I will I will do some coaching, that's for sure, in uh, probably in a Danish uh, club, hopefully nearby where I live, maybe Vidor, which is the club I'm playing for in the upcoming season. Uh, but nothing has been decided yet, but I hopefully I will, I will go more into coaching there. Uh, I also 
would love to do some sort of commentary. A lot of you are asking about that as well. Um, I do not want to travel a lot, so you won't see me as the new Omegil Clark or Steen Pedersen traveling to a lot of the events, but I would not rule out going to a few every year. Um, there's also the, the Danish TV2 who has the rights here in Denmark. Uh, I could also be interested in, in working for them perhaps. Um, I've also had a question about this podcast. Will it continue? I, I honestly don't know, but I will for sure still be involved with podcasting. Maybe this one, maybe something else. I have a lot of ideas for, for badminton-related podcasts, uh, but it also requires that I uh, I find a a suitable way of actually earning some money from it because um, it is obviously time-consuming and I need to start earning some money when I, I retire as well. Uh, I need to pay bills as well. Um, but yeah. The badminton experience as I'm involved that I'm involved in with the Anna Sentence and I also want to carry on with that. Uh, we are also looking at how the future is going to be for us. So I will do some kind of podcasting. It's still not 100% clear exactly how, but I promise I will not uh, stop as a podcaster completely. But anyway, there's still some time left before I retire, so let's not... Uh, spend too much energy on that now i i still want to carry on uh, at least for another year hopefully i can play at the world championships in denmark next year that will be a very nice place to retire it's in copenhagen so like the arena is 15 minutes from my house so that that will be very nice there's also other opportunities in my mind uh, it could be a little bit earlier than the world championships it could also be after it it all also depends on my ranking am i able to qualify am i able to get into the big events so yeah, I don't control it myself 100% or, well, I do. I can just play enough tournaments and, and win them, then I can qualify for anything. But I, I'm sure you get what I mean, that I, I cannot 100% control um, what my opportunities will be next year. And that's also why I cannot say a definite date where I want to retire. I will, I will figure it out as we go along next year and then we'll see where I will end up retiring. Oh, and one more thing about my plans afterwards is that I still want to play badminton. So I still want to play Danish league matches, maybe even for my Swedish club or my Czech club or any other club. I would I would love to still play some, some league matches. So I still want to be training badminton as well. I still want to compete a little bit, but just not as an international player playing all the big events. I will, I will play some league matches and uh, stay in touch with the sport that way as well as in... Uh, active player so overall it will just be hopefully lots of different small jobs within badminton that i will occupy afterwards i also want to do more club visits uh, it will probably mostly be in denmark but i'm also very open to to traveling abroad for for club visits so if anyone listening to this has a uh, club uh, out there who would like to have me uh, come by for a visit uh, after my retirement then i'm very open to hear your suggestions all right before i let you guys go just a couple of more questions from my patreons uh, one is from Memedinho, who is asking if everyone in the Danish national team is consulting a mental coach and if it's effective. And I would not say that everyone is consulting a mental coach, but more and more players are. It is an area that is uh, being more prioritized than it was in the past. 
Uh, I'm currently not working with a mental coach. I did for many years with a guy called Jakob. I actually had him on the podcast some time ago. Uh, you should go and listen to that episode if uh, you haven't heard it already. That's an amazing episode. And Jakob is a really, really good guy who's very, very good at his job as well. Uh, and it helped me a lot. Um, the reason why I'm not using Jakob anymore is because he's not working for the Danish Badminton Federation or Team Denmark, our national uh, Olympic uh, support body um he, he's uh, working on his own now and i cannot afford it actually uh, also i haven't really prioritized the time to uh, to be working with a new mental coach that would be an opportunity or possibility uh, but yeah I, i'm simply just not prioritizing it as much but is it effective for sure it is and if you want to uh yeah, to really change some things and how you think on court and outside of court as well, I can uh, highly recommend using a, a mental coach. For, for me, at least, it, it, it was very effective, um, even though it also took quite some time before I really felt the difference. I worked with him for three or four years, I think, and uh, it wasn't until after maybe like a year I really started feeling uh, the benefits from our work together. But it's like any other thing you need to train you need practice to actually uh, change things and then get better so there's no difference in in working with on the mental side of the game compared to the technical or tactical side of the game final question is from rob burns who's uh, asking i found this one quite fun actually he's asking if i can comment on the practice of rubbing candle wax on babson strings he believes the reason is to prevent the strings cutting into each other and causing a break. And he asked, am I aware of the practice? Is it something that happens on the professional tour? And I can honestly say I've never ever heard of this one before rubbing candle wax on strings. And so I'm pretty sure it's not happening on the professional tour, but yeah, I, I wouldn't know if uh, someone did it, but I've, I've never heard of it. So I'm pretty, pretty sure that it's, uh, it's not a thing. I'm, also not really a guy who's very much into materials and uh, like uh, my equipment and stuff I, I don't care too much about it obviously I, I wanted I want it to be good quality and everything but I, I'm, I'm not so picky in in terms of that compared to a lot of other players um, for sure i uh, i can play with with almost anything and i i don't really notice too much if uh, there's a small difference in my string tension or uh, yeah my grip or stuff like that obviously i try to have the same string tension all the time but yeah as i said i i'm not i'm not that uh, that picky with with stuff like that so I, i'm not a huge equipment guy I hope that answered your question, Rob. I hope everyone else got their questions answered. I will be back next Wednesday, as I said. And please, everyone, not only Patreons, you can now send me questions again or topics that you want me to take up on this podcast. I will try to be back every Wednesday from now on answering all your guys' questions. So please, please fire away and give me some feedback on this episode. Thanks so much for still listening, guys, and a huge, huge thank you to all my patrons for still supporting this podcast. Without you, there would for sure be no podcast. You make it a lot more worthwhile. Thanks a lot, guys, and talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus.
If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share, and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.